Hi, my name is Jennifer Majewski. And I'm Natalie Moore. Today is November 26, 2018, and we're here in North Hills at Penny Lane Centers to speak with Jerry Majewski about his experience with the organization and working with delinquent youth. My name is Jerry Majewski. I'm the program director for Penny Lane Centers. How long have you been with the organization? Um, I just celebrated my 20th uh, year at Penny Lane on July 30th. 2018. I've been here since 1998. Um, and what originally interested you in seeking employment with Penny Lane? Um, prior to being at Penny Lane, I was at Optimus for two, two years from 96 to 98. Um, I saw Penny Lane as a, an opportunity for growth, so I left that agency and came here and can you give us a little background information on Penny Lane Centers? All right, so the founder, Ivelisse Markovitz, who's still our CEO, uh, found Penny, uh, founded Penny Lane in 1969. Initially, she had, she had started two smaller group homes in the city of Pasadena. Uh, because she was so new at that time, she was a probation officer and she really was focused on giving youth more supportive services. So she left probation, started two group homes. Um, it, it didn't quite take off as well. And then she wanted to reinvent Penny Lane. So in 1969, she came out to the San Fernando Valley and she opened up our first uh, residential program across the street that houses 50 clients and at that time, uh, which is back in 69, there was a lot of females that were underserviced. So she really wanted to focus on the female population. And her working with probation, she saw that there was a high need to work with females. So she opened our residential facility. Uh, from there, it expanded from one group home to two to three. And then we ended up expanding to eight group homes in the San Fernando Valley. So what would you say are some of the objectives and goals of Penny Lane Centers? So, I mean, obviously our, our objectives and our, and our function is to provide uh, mental health services to our clients and their family. And typically when clients come into our residential program, uh, we have an intake director that does an initial assessment uh, to figure out what the client's goals, short-term, long-term goals are. Um, assess any history of, of, um, of, of abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, sexual, any traumatic experiences. Um, in addition to that, we also do what's called a risk assessment in which we find out if there's any history of suicidal behavior or any uh, high-risk tendencies that they may have, such as substance use, uh, physical violence, things of that nature. Uh, once we do that assessment with the client, along with uh, with the uh, uh, minute order that we get from the court, uh, which by the way, 50% of our youth are, are roughly probation youth, and then the other half are DCFS youth, which is Department of Children and Family Services, in which those particular youth have been pulled out of the home due to living in a danger environment, due to some kind of emotional, sexual abuse, traumatic experience, or because the parents may not have the proper resources to manage that client's behavior. Either way, they're, 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 they're placed here. We do an assessment, at which point uh, the assigned therapist slash intake therapist then does 
an additional uh, uh, assessment of the client. Once the intake assessments are complete and the client is in place within PennyLane, what services do they have access to? While the client is here, what we try to do is try to work on some of those behavioral issues that got them into placement in the first place, whether it was substance use. So if there's substance abuse history, uh, we'll link them to our SUD program, our substance abuse program. Um, if there is any uh, trauma, we'll link them to one of our evidence-based practices called Trauma Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Uh, we also do other evidence-based practices like ART, which is Aggressive Replacement Training, in which we focus on three components. One component being moral reasoning, where we talk about uh, making um, um, good choices about certain decisions that they make. Like, for example, we do a lot of scenarios where, where we will discuss with the client. Let's say you went to McDonald's and your friend worked at McDonald's and they gave you a free burger. Would you consider that stealing or not stealing? And then we kind of go into the whole morale of it. So that's one component of uh, aggressive replacement training, ART, in which we talk about moral reasoning. Another section of that is uh, skills, skill, it's called skills streaming uh, course, in which we talk about teaching the client basic coping skills whether uh, it's regarding them being upset about something and how to keep themselves, uh, uh, manage their behavior. Um, and then there's a third component that, that is our anger management component. And we talk, we go into different phases in which we talk about um, anger management, what anger looks like, physical cues, emotional cues, and try to get them to recognize those cues so that when they're getting agitated or upset, they're able to kind of cope um, and manage those. So after being at Penny Lane for the last 20 years, how successful has the organization been at helping juveniles become more productive members of society? Um, I had a client that I worked with back in 98 when I was a group home supervisor. Um, his name was Larry. He ended up uh, completing our program here, uh, went back home. I didn't hear from him for a while. And then maybe about 10, 15 years later, actually 10 years later, I heard from him uh, back in 2008. And he just came here all of a sudden. He looked, he looked the same. His face looked the same. You know, obviously a man, adult now. I think by then he, now he was probably by then 10 years. So he was about 25. And uh, he came to me and he said, hey, um, yeah, man, I got locked up. And I said, well, that's not a very good story. He goes, well, it doesn't get better. He goes, I, I, I committed a robbery. I got locked up. Um, and then I ended up going back to jail again on a second strike. And after my second strike, I realized that I had to change my life. And he told me that basically that even though he understood everything we were trying to teach him, it took that reality check to kind of put everything together and then at that moment, he realized what it was that we were trying to do. So in order to avoid getting that third, third strike, he went back to what we were trying to teach him 10 years prior to that. And even though he had to go down a longer road path, he now uh, lives in Upland, has a wife, two kids, is a manager at a dollar store and then has another part-time job um, like at a warehouse and, and it has his own place. And he says he, a lot of it is because of us. He thanks a lot, he thanks us for all the 
things that we do here. Uh, I've had other clients that have graduated from college and have come back and say, you know what, I didn't have any family, but I knew you guys were my family and I knew that you guys cared about me and I knew that you guys would always have my back. So that's one of the things that we really try to promote here is a sense of worth and we try to make the kids feel like it's not a placement. Every client that comes in here, I always tell them that I have two kids, they're same age, because the age range here is 13 to 18. I was 17 year old and now 16 year old. And I tell my kids in placement, you know, you're not my client, you're my, you're my kid. And while you're here, you're part of our Penaline family and you always will be a Penaline a family member. So never forget that because a lot of times kids will leave and they kind of feel like they can't reach out to us. So I always tell them that you always have the ability to reach out to us, even if it's to say hi or to get guidance or just some direction. And I tell my kids, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you guys that I wouldn't do for my own kids. What are some of the things you like and dislike about working at Penny Lane Centers? Um, what I like about my job is able to have an influence on impacting these kids' lives. Uh, unfortunately, the majority of our kids are minorities. Uh, I probably would say it's probably, you know, 45% Hispanic, you know, 45% African American, and you have that, uh, that what, 10% that are of other minorities or other ethnicities, whether it's white, Asian, um, so the good thing is that when I do work with our particular population is I feel that I can have a, a sense of connection with these kids because, you know, me growing up as a minority, uh, single parent household, you know, poor, you know, trying to make it in life and make it in society and being able to go to college and and be able to work in the field, I feel that I can kind of pass that on to, to these kids, regardless of their ethnicity. But I, I can kind of feel that I can relate and connect with these kids who who are currently struggling or don't have a family or, or can't see, you know, past two city blocks of where they live because they think that's all what life is. And then when we try to expose them to so many different things, like what I mentioned earlier with ROTC and karate and culinary classes, then they get to see a bigger world and then it slowly expands. So when you see these kids, especially a lot of my kids will come into my office and they'll say, hey, Jerry, look, look, look. And, and they show me their paper. And they went from like straight Bs or Fs to Cs and Bs to Bs and As um, to kids telling me, hey, I'm on, I'm on schedule to graduate. You know, for them, it's like they're like the first generation of kids that are going to graduate from, from high school from their family. So for them, it's like a big milestone. Um, so to see them grow and develop and, and, and see that there's hope in their eyes brings me joy. Um, the dislike is a lot of the bureaucracy, especially when you're dealing with uh, Department of Children and Family Services. A lot of times they don't have good links to these kids because either um, there's no families out there that are willing to take DCFS kids. Um, and to place them in a lower level of care, you know, takes a long time because not, there's not a lot of foster families that will take kids, especially older teenage kids. They'll take babies and they'll take seven, eight, nine-year-olds. But once you get into your teenage uh, uh, years, 
up until about 14, it starts to get a little bit complicated. So a lot of these kids that are, you know, in my placement, 15, they're like, man, I'm going to be here till I'm 18. You know, it's a long time for them to be in placement. And they start to lose hope, and they get frustrated, and that's when you start seeing them go on elopement or runaway, as we call it, or AWOL. Um, and then, you know, they come back drunk, intoxicated, high, under the influence. Sometimes they've committed, you know, burglaries. So that's the sad part of it. Um, so sometimes the bureaucracy is, is the downside. Uh, what I try to do when they're here is, is give them hope, give them inspiration. Uh, I, I'm also getting more kids that are undocumented uh, who can't see past the front door. And they tell me, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see myself being here too long either. I'm going to be deported. I'm going to end up dead. So I try to give them a sense of hope. And we do have outsources to get kids um, their amnesty or their visa card. Um, again, it's a process, but I really try to work with these kids. I'm trying to get them to understand that we're trying to do some good here. It just takes a little bit of time. And even though maybe the county has failed them or their probation officer has failed them, that you know we're going to do our best not to fail them. Well, thank you, Jerry, so much for taking time out of your very busy day of saving the world. Um, to to inter to be interviewed by us, you know, you it really sounds like you're building connections with these kids and helping these kids find some hope. And maybe like you had you just mentioned with your client that um, years later decided to change his life. The fact of the matter is that it was because of you and your team that he really did change his life. So thank you so much for having us out here and thank you for the work that you do. No problem, my pleasure. Uh, I take joy in what I do. If not, I wouldn't be working here for 20 years. So. Uh, the funny part is seeing the kids that I worked with when they were 15 and then seeing them at 30, 35, and then be like, Jesus, what happened? <laughs> so it, it does bring me joy to know that, you know, we're making a difference and that we are helping these kids feel that they're not, that they mean something. So thank you. After speaking with Jerry, we have a better understanding of how Penny Lane Centers benefits juvenile delinquents through their residential centers, transitional housing, affordable housing services, intensive outpatient treatment centers, and mental health services. They focus on intervening in many childhood risk factors for persistent delinquency, such as family violence, association with deviant peers, and lower socioeconomic status, according to Siegel, page 63. These programs help lessen crime and delinquency caused by juveniles within the community. Additionally, Penny Lane focuses on the whole person rather than just individuals. When a juvenile comes in, they look at the client on a macro, meso, and micro level, so all the child's needs are met through Penny Lane services. After the interview, we were able to learn about the many programs and activities that Penny Lane offers, such as community classes, military programs, occupational programs, and a variety of different counseling options. We selected Penny Lane Centers because they have spent the last 50 years helping juveniles, not only in the San Fernando Valley, but also various communities throughout LA County. They are a beacon of the community. We liked how Penny Lane focuses on the root cause of delinquency and aims for rehabilitation instead of retribution. They focus on each client as a whole individual and create a treatment plan that works best for that client's needs, background, and interests. We also like the organization of Penny Lane Centers. Within about a city block, they have all of their services and resources available, making it more accessible for their clients. Additionally, they have satellite campuses across Los Angeles County, such as Commerce and Lancaster, for the client's convenience. 
We truly enjoyed taking the time to sit down and talk with Jerry about his extensive time with Penny Lane Centers, and we believed that they would be a beneficial program to any juvenile facing criminal charges or exhibiting delinquent behaviors.